Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right. Don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple podcast as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, we are back with another podcast of the London is Blue one, actually, of that variety. And what we're going to do is we're going to come from you from London. All right, we've got Nick, we've got Dan. We're sitting here in this Airbnb one block, Nick, from Stanford Bridge. You can probably see it over my shoulder as we sit here. I, I could if there wasn't a giant building blocking the view. Minor details. We're, we're close, <laughs> I think, was, was the point. Yeah. See your invisibility, or your ability to see through walls. X-ray vision. X-ray, X-ray vision. vision, yeah. And I see the station, Fulham Broadway Tube Station. So if you've ever been here, you'll know that that's kind of a key junction. Uh, to getting anywhere to and from it is it is the gateway in to Stanford Bridge essentially traveling wise today in trains uh, I will bring you the entire route that we will go please don't that, are you that, sure yeah that's we, not good radio we don't want to spend a lot of time okay. down on the tube anyways uh, but Dan that's right we are live we are in this Airbnb that you so strategically picked out as our headquarters um, you know you, you did a good job you, you did a, a good job Dan good job Oh, thank, th- thank you. I'm glad that there is such a low bar maybe set from last time that it was not well, hard to improve with this booking. Well, don't worry. We're, we're going to get into this. Uh, we were just at Liverpool. We're at the match. So we're going to be doing a review. It's nice to have all three of us together. This doesn't always happen, obviously. Um, so it's going to be a good time for us to, to sit here, look at each other, laugh at each other, and, and do this match review. So, Well, here's the thing. Nick has been giving every episode a theme this season. Yes. So, Nick, what would your theme of this episode be? <laughs> uh, unlucky is the theme of today's So show. we can only talk about unlucky things sure. in this episode. 
we'll, we'll have a lot actually, unfortunately. Um, we don't have iTunes views. Um, full, full disclosure, the Wi-Fi here is shocking, so we won't hold that against Dan. It's not his fault. Uh, and we don't have Patreon names because, again, we literally can't get online. So if you're listening to this, some miracle, we got this over to Jake to edit. And thank you, Jake, for doing that. So we're going to do a little something different. And two minutes in, we're going to jump right in the match review. So here we go, guys. It was Liverpool in the Premier League, right? We were at Stamford Bridge. It was on a Sunday, the 22nd of September. And if you missed it, the score was one to two. Bad guys, the red guys, not what we wanted. Uh, so Dan, as we tee this up, per usual, we need some lineups to help set the scene. Sure, yeah, we definitely can get into that. So Kepa between the sticks was no surprise. The back line did see a little bit of a shift. We saw Andreas Christensen and Tamori as the two with Aspilicueta and Emerson on the left and right. We then saw Jorginho, the return of the one, the only, the cyborg, the robotic human, the Iron Man, N'Golo Conte, and Mateo Kovacic alongside him. Then Tammy Abraham, Mason Mount, and William as the front three. Did change a bit, though, because we had some substitutions in the match. We did see Marcus Alonso come on very quickly, 15th minute. We saw a substitution the 42nd minute. Kurt Zuma comes on, and then Mishi Batshuayi comes on in the 77th minute. So uh, Ross Barkley, Christian Pulisic, Willie Caballero, and Pedro were the unused substitutes in this match. Nick, reactions to that lineup? Um, You know, I think without jumping ahead too much, at least I've said on the show that if a player is not, uh, if they're not healthy, then I would like to see them rested. Right. So it was a huge worry for me, Dan, that N'Golo Conte was playing this game after essentially being sidelined for a whole month. Um, it was worrisome that Emerson was, uh, back and that proved to be a huge risk from Frank that did not pay off. And in generally, Mason Mount coming back from a serious ankle injury uh, this quickly to play 90 minutes. I think, you know, this this squad is paper thin. We've said that multiple times on the show, but there were opportunities to adjust and rotate with players who were probably healthier. And I, I'm not sure that the gambles paid off today. I think you only go as far as trusting the players and trusting your physicians to let you know exactly what's going on. I I think the unfortunate thing is Emerson had a muscle injury, felt like he was better, gets it re-injured. I don't don't think that goes to anyone's plan. I mean, I think if you have N'Golo Conte, if you have Mason, and you you feel comfortable where they're at, you have to play them because they're the best options that the squad has. But, yeah, I'm... I think unlucky is the theme surrounding this is probably where I would go with everything related to the lineup and these injuries. Well, I mean, we're unlucky that the players got hurt, Brandon. Like, right? Like, you can be, you know, this team's been pretty unlucky with injuries, whereas last year we were pretty lucky, right? So you can see the the shift there. But to be so wildly off to have Emerson come off, come off after 15 minutes tells me that unless it's a brand new injury, that it probably wasn't good enough to go in the first place. And that affects the entire game uh, on multiple levels. Not only are we playing a different formation because he is a is a straight-up left back instead of a left wing back, but it also eliminates a substitution very early on that we could have brought on an attacking player at the end of the game to push for that second goal. So I think it's a it's a tough one. It's one that we disagreed about in the, in the stands, but... 
I, you know, I think to be that wildly off, even if even if the player says he can go, is is tough, and Frank has to kind of, I think, live with that now. Right. I, we'll definitely jump into that. I can assure you. Uh, let's run through some top line stats first. Chelsea actually had fifty five percent possession today at home to to Liverpool, and only managed thirteen shots. I, I say that sarcastically. Sadly, only two of them were on goal, though. Liverpool had six shots. Three on goal, two went in. Uh, Liverpool, to give you some perspective, had 405 passes to Chelsea's 478. Chelsea had 16 tackles to Liverpool's 11. Uh, You'll love this one. 11 clearances for Chelsea, 38 for Liverpool. Okay, The reigning UEFA Champions League champions had 38 clearances today. So draw whatever narrative you'd like. Uh, and we had a handful of cautions. So we had Tomori early, 20th minute caution. Mateo Kovacic angrily slamming the ball <laughs> into the ground towards Michael Oliver. Missed him in the 84th minute. You're damn right he did. Got, got You're his money's damn worth. right. Got his money's worth on that one for sure. And then Marcos Alonso in the 90th plus four, absolutely chopping down on the counterattack. Uh, Liverpool had Trent Alexander-Arnold in the 57th minute for time wasting, which was way a too theme. long uh yep. theme of the game fabinho 78th minute for a bad tackle and milner 86 minutes for being ugly uh and that is official <laughs> so anyways uh yeah first little topic that i think we should should rest on um you know we we can talk about a, a man management situation nick which was something that yeah you and i were, were animated about unfortunately for my side of the argument um i was saying that lampard has to essentially trust his physios he is, you know, we don't know what data he had to make the decision to play. Uh, Emerson, afterwards, we meet up with Naz. And he saw our Kinsella from goal. And he tells us that, yeah, yeah, you know what? He thinks Emerson is the one who said, Frank, I'm, I'm good. I can play. And unfortunately, he trusted him. And it was not 10 minutes before he just stopped and held up his hand. And he had to come off. And there was a for, the first forced substitution not long after Christensen goes down with a bit of a mystery injury. We didn't really see what happened in the box. You're what, I mean, what are we? Um, 20, 25 minutes in, and all of a sudden we're having no, to. 40th minute. Uh, well, I mean, we're having to make two changes right away before, you know, we really even get our feet underneath you and, and, and kind of get going. So, yeah, it, it, you know, it's it, <laughs> down two goals early, down two four substitutions. You know, there's not much Lampard can do to really change this game at that point. Yeah, which is the risk. I mean, you know, to me, again, I'm not the manager. It's just my opinion. But I think if there is a if there is a serious doubt about players going into a match like this, especially against Liverpool, especially at home, knowing that you haven't won a home match yet, these players were trying, and they did. They put an incredible shift in today, Dan. They were trying extra hard, and you know the level uh, of you know kind of excitement and how amped up they were going going into the match. There's always a chance that you can overdo it, and so to go into the match with players who are just not a hundred percent and have guys on the bench that are, it's not it's not as if to say that every single situation was wrong. But again, Frank put himself behind the eight ball on two occasions. One was unlucky. One was pretty easy to tell. And, you know, Mason had to go 90 minutes, which I don't think he would have chose to do. On the the same token, you look at Tamori, 
and you look at Conte, both of them had exceptional performances and Tomori, you know, has been a, a selection potential risk, you know, with, with Zuma potentially being the, the number one at points, you know, this season. And then you had Christensen as kind of that initial center back pairing, like a Conte offering a phenomenal experience today, being the only one to score a goal on behalf of Chelsea. And so I think it's, it's again, it's, it's a progress and mixed results situation. He's not getting everything right, but he's also not getting, he's not failing the course, right? It's, it's, C C to B level work because we're still getting some performances out of these players that we you know really haven't expected. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think to me, to me, if I'm looking at this and like, I think the expectations heading into this game were you know pretty limited. At least if you were being realistic about stuff, you know, Dan's predicting a two one win, which you know isn't so far off. But I, I you know predicted a draw. Brandon predicted a draw. I think we would have been happy with a point coming out of this game. Seeing how well the team played overall gives you a lot of confidence. Add on top of that, that, you know, if, if the right selections are made, that we could make dynamic situ- or substitutions at crucial points of the game. And you might come out with a point or, or three points. And so I think that's where I am probably most aggrieved right now is that, you know, there's nothing you can do about Christensen. If he bangs knees and is hurt, you know, which is what's being reported, then, you know, that's going to happen in a game. But if Emerson's that far off and you have to play in Golo Conte 90 minutes and Mason Mount 90 minutes, which I don't think he would have chosen to do, I think it just sets you up for these, you know, we're playing every three days now through the, the end of November. And I think it's going to be, or actually end of December, sorry, uh, at least. So it's just going to make his squad management even that much more of a challenge now. Yeah, if you if you think about a couple of positives, I mean, we look good in another formation, back to a 4-3-3 after playing the 3-4-3 a couple of times. And that's going toe-to-toe with, again, a team who is allegedly going to win the title already because cities drop points. From a tactical setup and, and just the team playing with heart and desire, I mean, it, it was good. But you have to be concerned with N'Golo not being at fitness, um, Emerson not being at fitness, now Christensen not being at fitness, Rudiger still not at fitness, Callum Hudson-Odoi not at fitness. I, I mean, the list goes on. Uh, it's it's a concern. And I think what we talked about was the fact that because he had to burn two substitutions so early, one not his fault, the other one was potentially Frank's fault, now Pulisic isn't getting minutes, right? Barkley's not getting minutes. There's guys who probably would have seen minutes, Pedro, whomever, and they're out. And so that is another hard thing to swallow. When you're, you know Liverpool fades in the 70th minute because they work so hard, they started to bring on, you know, fringe players. It, Chelsea weren't able to refresh their team and go at them. So while Dan was confident and said he thinks that we could go to Anfield potentially and win, the the point was we're going to be almost a different team again, hopefully come end of the season. Like, this is still not the final version of Chelsea, I think was your point. The point is that this is what we did with a squad banged up like hell we've got a much better version that we can show everyone. Problem is now, we lost to Valencia. We play Lille. You have Brighton. You have Grinsby Town before that. Like, when do you rest any of these players? Um, Wednesday. You will rest several players on Wednesday. But you can't rest the whole... You're not going to no, get 11 no, changes. You know, you're you're going to get the players in the start, so I think Pulisic will start that match. I think you'll see 
Mishi will probably play the whole game. You'll have... What does that mean for Giroud? I mean, it seems like Giroud might be third choice at the moment. I mean, again, but it, it's how does the team help one another? And this is an opportunity for the team to help one another when Pedro goes in on the right-hand side and Callum starts on the left and you have Mishi at the top for the front three versus Grimsby Town. I, I, you know, I, I think there, there was a really good tweet that I was reading from our friend Clayton Bierman that said, I've never experienced that before. We've just lost at home, yet the majority of fans stood and applauded the team for a good couple minutes after the final whistle. People appreciating what they had just seen, and the players had left nothing out there, and we had no luck. And I think that accurately hits on how I felt about this match, where Liverpool got extremely lucky with the benefit of VAR going back and having a a memory of a rewind button to pull out a goal from Azpilicueta, the benefit of getting set pieces on the edge of the box and being able to convert them because their goals did not come from open play. And you had Tomori basically shutting down Salah for the majority of 90 minutes. So I don't feel like we were outclassed today outside of moments in time sure yeah well i I would say that's kind of like the the next point we go to is is the the team spirit the mentality of of this group nick and we've talked about this where the first time to london we were about to win the light the league under antonio conte jt was on his way out the atmosphere was electric come back a year later against tottenham conte's on his way out everyone knows it absolute flat atmosphere and the team just took a beating they accepted it come back for me so sorry we always talk about that zero zero draw against southampton no energy excitement tonight completely different especially second half the 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 lads absolutely went out there put everything on the line they tried to make something happen i uh I thought I saw a couple of pages out of uh, Mourinho's book from Lampard tonight. Mm-hmm. And the fact, he makes some attacking substitutions, but also he had Zuma up there as a strike at the very end trying to knock down anything he could. Uh, but the response and the will to fight and going into tackles, I think there was just a, a very visible um, commitment to the cause from the team. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you're right. I was, I was as down, I think I was more down than you guys were at halftime. And, um, you know, I think what you what you'd expect from a, a Frank Lampard managed team is that they're not going to give up. They're going to, you know, no matter what the odds are, they're going to try and claw something back. And I think they certainly outclass Liverpool in the second half. Um, you know, Chelsea grew into the game and Liverpool faded. Um, you you could tell before Tammy went off that he was starting to finally get his mojo around Van Dyke and they were having cha- you know challenges all game and Gold Conte was doing back heel flicks and you know you started to see William finally run at people again for the first time I've seen in a long time um so so there are a couple of examples of players who I think grew into the game and I think overall the the team Dan was moving better together and didn't seem to be disjointed and leaving a bunch of space for, for Liverpool to attack into because what they want is for their front three against your back four. They feel like their odds are, are as good with that as anything else, and we didn't give them that a lot. No, or they're three versus a two, or they're two versus a one. They want to catch you in positions that are really hard to recover from. And you know credit to Zuma and Tomori in the second half who 
did a nice job of being able to maintain their positioning, put themselves in good positions, get the ball out, recycle it, and put it in the you know put it at the feet of Jorginho, put it at the feet of Kovacic, let them carry the ball forward, or switch play fully. And I think that's actually something I really enjoyed this match, Brandon, is that the amount of times that we, instead of looking to break through centrally, we found a ball out to the side and really did some good interchange on the wings and exploited that space in a way that we maybe haven't seen in some of the matches. So we should say we were in West Upper right at about halfway line. So from a tactical perspective, we saw everything. And, uh, you know, it's kind of funny because on the TV, you don't get this perspective, but they essentially are playing within 30 yards of each other. Liverpool's back line is 30 yards away from Chelsea's back line. And, you know, part of that is by design. You don't want to give up a lot of room in between your midfield line, and your back line and midfield to forward line. So we we got to watch that today and watch it progress. And I tell you what, it was definitely from the first 20 minutes to the next 20 minutes and kind of so on, Chelsea definitely grew in, into this match. It was kind of funny because usually Chelsea start strong and then maybe have some issues in the second half or later. It, it was quite the opposite today. Uh, and um, I think tactically, I think we didn't get to see what we could have seen because of the injuries and also the goals. I mean, the fact that we give up two goals off two set pieces. I mean, we talked about the second one. We had just scored but it got called back and they literally came down and then scored what turned out to be the game winner. Gut punch. Right. Literally from one end goal to another. And, you know, know, we talk about how Dave gave up the foul. Dude had just ran 75 yards and then had to run back with this play. And it was a soft foul. It it was not, you know, the... There was a lot made. Mane tried to flick it over his head. Yeah. He runs into Aspie. Aspie just kind of holds his ground. And it's a foul rather than go around someone. It's like a charge in the NBA. Yeah. I mean, to to me, that sequence, obviously, I think you can point back to and say like, yeah, there's that's probably the game in there. But I think what was most impressive about the performance to me was when you look at Jorginho and Kovacic and N'Golo Conte and you think about how much success Chelsea's midfields had against Liverpool's midfield which Liverpool's midfield with Fabinho and Henderson and, you know, pick pick another player that you slot in there. They're one of the best in the, mid, in, in the Premier League in midfield, and we have bossed them each of the last four or five times in the midfield area, and I think that's how you beat them. I think you overwhelm their midfield. You make them chase. Henderson had a terrible game today, and not only that, he's a complaining little B. It's true. You can say that. on On everything, and to me, like, I think he was getting so frustrated because if it wasn't N'Golo Conte, Dan, it was Kovacic. If it wasn't Kovacic, uh, I think uh, Jorginho did a good job of breaking up the play, although admittedly not his best game. Uh, I think I think there was just a lot going on there, and they had trouble coping, which meant that Salah and Mane didn't get the free passes to them. They didn't get the wing space because they were always closed down. So I, I think that was a really good tactical adjustment. So I think that the return of N'Golo Conte was the, the biggest benefit to our midfield success. I think he, he, so you're he, saying adding a world-class player to your midfield is typically good. Breaking a, news. It's a great <laughs> thing. Breaking news, news bulletin and Golo Conte good at football, quite good, yes. quite good at football and scored an absolute banger of a goal. Just again, showing that 
the narrative about him being a defensive midfielder is one of the worst ones in all of world football. One of the most absolutely object, terrible takes in existence. But to that said, I, I our midfield was good today. I think Kovacic is some really nice diagonal runs. They will keep the ball at pace. I really enjoyed seeing that. Jorginho, I, I still struggle with. I loved he, he showed some of that passion this match. He definitely was getting in it and trying to move some stuff around. But I just, you know, there, he, he needs to be able to connect with some of those passes to our defenders and help move the play forward effectively. There's so many times where he's attempting that ball and it either ends up in a defender's feet, goes out of play, and it's just not putting us in a position to be successful. Like he needs to be able to connect that pass Brandon for for me to say that he has a really good game or has been more influential in the match uh, part I would say Kovacic is better than Jorginho today um Jorginho gets the ball in tougher spots than Kovacic though a lot of times because Jorginho, yeah he, he's, he's so close to the back line and in Liverpool they can press I mean those guys know when they pick their moment that gets on and they trap you in a corner and so I think you know, he, he tends to have a, a more difficult time than Kovacic. But Kovacic is fantastic. I mean, he got a ton of terrible passes. And his ability to bring the ball out of the air or to turn away from pressure. Uh, I mean, it's the same I with Angolo, too. I mean, like, I remember one sequence where Zuma just pummeled the ball at Angolo. And he just took it and moved it forward. Right. And, like, yeah. it, you know, it just takes a special type of guy mm-hmm. to, to be able to do that. I, I do think... Even even with Jorginho at maybe not his clinical best, there was still a huge amount of domination in the midfield. I mean, we controlled the game. We controlled the pace of the game in the second half, which was much better because they controlled it in the first half. And I think the thing that I would look at personally for Jorginho is if you're going to attempt seven, eight over, overhead, you know, kind of passes a game, one of them has to connect. Zero of them are connecting right now. So we got to work on that. I mean, Fabregas used to do those with pinpoint precision. Yeah. And it's just not working for you. So if it's not working, you got to pull other tricks out of your bag. You can't keep going back to that well. Right. Well, uh, you know, I think we can continue to talk about some individuals. Uh, we're going to take a real quick break. But when we get back, like I said, well, we're going to continue to pick out individuals maybe had a good or not so great game. And then we're also going to talk about, do you look at the league? Do you look at the table or, or are we just kind of joyride because I don't look at the table as much anymore. I just look at the performances. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, but again, really, really quick. We will get uh, right back at it. All right. So we, we were just talking about the midfield a lot. And now I'm not going to point out Mason for not having a good game. I just want to say, I think we saw a different Mason tonight. He didn't really get in with the passes. He was very much a runner tonight. He was just running into space and trying to create something on his own. Um, He just missed a cutback from William in the first half. Uh, But overall, I just thought we saw something different tonight from him, Dan. I just thought that um, whether it's because of the injury or whatnot, um, more versatility. He's obviously playing out on the, it was, well, him and William. Left wing and then right wing. Yeah, they they switched a little bit. For the most part, he spent most of his time out on the left. Um, But just kind of struggled to get involved tonight. Yeah, just possessed a couple times, didn't look as sharp. And I think to the point we talked about earlier about being rushed back, I imagine he was the latest possible fitness approval for this match and definitely should not have had to play 90 minutes today. 
Obviously, if you get selected in the starting 11, the plan should be that you have to play 90 minutes, but he looked like one that at the 70th minute probably could have used that substitution. Uh, definitely you know, had the in the dying moments of the game, had that run into the box where he could have potentially put the ball into the back and it just wasn't wasn't meant to be kind of falling down as he was attempting it. I just, yeah, I, I obviously a lot of room to grow, a lot of room to improve, but this was not like a match he's going to look back on and say that it was his favorite performance that he's had, Nick. No, no. And I mean, to Brandon's point, if that was his role in this game, he's not the quickest guy on our team. And with the ankle, the cutting was tougher. It's not that he wasn't doing it. It's just not as fluid if you don't trust your ankle <laughs> to cut. Um, joints are important when uh, when making lateral movements. So uh, it, it's really... You know, I don't think it's any credit against him. I I credit him fully for playing 90 minutes after that horror tackle on Tuesday. I actually am shocked he he made it into the team today. But if you're looking at that, and I don't know what practice looks like, Pulisic did that role to great effect against Liverpool in the Super Cup. The running, the pressing, you know, the cutting inside. Like, there was a lot of things that... I think personally, even though Frank doesn't rate him right now, I think that Pulisic might have been the better choice for that. But you know, that's just me being an American, I guess, or whatever. You know, you are an American. Correct. Should, yeah, we can confirm that. So, <laughs> are, are we sure we checked the passport? Yeah, yeah, we actually did. We flew over with him. <laughs> um, so, Tammy and William on the other side. Um, T- Tammy had a battle tonight. Yeah. He played against Van Dyke. Literally the best defender in the world, if you believe UEFA. Um, regardless, undisputed that he's one of the best in the world. And he's huge. Uh, look, Tammy put him under pressure. Tammy was just obnoxious. He would not let uh, Van Dyke uh, play the ball to the back without pressure. He challenged on aerial balls. He just chased him down. And it was a selfless effort from Tammy tonight. And I think... On the other side, William did a ton of closing down as well. Um, you know, not like he wasn't overwhelmingly positive the whole match, but I think more he was much more positive than he was negative tonight, you know, which is good to see because obviously the typical William stuff you see him in the lineup, and you're like, oh, shit, William's in the lineup. Like, here we go again. You didn't even let him play. And, and it turned out he was a net positive for the team. So overall, I mean, the attack, with what limited chances we have, Again, we go back to the stats, right? Like Chelsea, statistically, were better than Liverpool going forward. We had 13 shots, only two on target, to their six with three on target. We had more possession, more passes, and they had a hell of a lot more clearances. I mean, overall, we we had the chances to win, Dan, right? I believe you were pulling up this made-up stat called expected goals that no one believes. Um, I'm kidding, but... What was what were those numbers? So it looks like the expected goals for Chelsea were one point seven one expected goal to Liverpool's one point one. So, so is, is that, are you saying that's a good thing? Well, <laughs> it, it's it's a good thing when you also convert the expected goal. It's not a good thing when you underperform your expected goal total. And look, there was bound to be a game where as hot as Tammy had been with scoring, where he wasn't going to be able to find the back of the net. There was going to be a game where Mason second hop scorer was going to whiff it or shoot it wide. But again, we, we had opportunities. We got into some dangerous places. We were moving the ball. The, the football looked good 
the individual contributions were strong. The the way the stadium and the supporters got behind Frank and the players in the second half, Nick, was nothing short. I think of really, really just fantastic contribution. And I think it was very clear to me that the team fed off that energy in, in a really, really positive way. Well, you remember when he Tammy missed the one-on-one? The shut-in immediately started chanting his name. They were not going to let him get down and out. The, Alvaro Morata, they're gone. They would have let him walk. Yeah, not Tammy. Yeah, and I mean, look, I, I don't think I don't think Tammy would say that he had a phenomenal performance today. Um, clearly, the bar got raised on him. Uh, Connor Cody and Virgil Van Dyke, not the same type of player, um, week in week out. So, you know, easier to blow by Connor Cody. Um, Tammy. Tammy to to really I think play against that caliber defender is going to have to fill out a little bit as they would say over here maybe put on a little bit more muscle but he you know to Dan's point like he was a nuisance um, and I I thought you know there were a couple of times that we were kind of chat, chatting in the stands um, about how that's a really good thing right if Robertson and Van Dyke and uh, Alexander Arnold are given all the time in the world to pass. They're really good passers. They're going to pass it to their own guy. They're put under pressure. There were a lot of times where they just cleared the ball out of bounds because they didn't want to deal with the press. And that, to me, I, you know, I think really frustrated them. And it was just a lot of the selfless effort, you know, that we've kind of talked about. Um, you know, now you know Tammy knows that if if he's only going to get two shots or two chances in a game, he has to convert one of them. And you know, he certainly had that one on one and and blew it and. You know, I think he's going to learn and get better from that. But, um, you know, I think all, all in all, I just hope he's he's not hurt as well. He kind of came off early and was grabbing his hammy. So. Well, he also had the high knee to his shoulder from Adrian, who came out to clear the ball or to capture the ball. So he, he definitely at the office, man. <laughs> definitely has been taking a bit of a beating for the team. So we appreciate that, Tammy. And, you know, again, that is the toughest center back in the Premier League right now that you're going to go square up against. And so not not surprising. It was a difficult day for him. Yeah, McGuire and Van Dyke are the two best center backs he's played this year. And, you know, it's not as if he didn't have chances against both of them. It just, he you know, he smacked the post on one, he fired it right at the goalkeeper at the other. And, you know, again, I think as this team grows, so will he. When the service becomes a little bit better, he will convert a couple more of these. Just wasn't there today. Um, it was tough. Yeah. So as we transition to the defense, I mean, I think Alonzo's one to call it right away. His service was slow in the first half, one too many touches. The second half, it was coming in early, maybe even like before he got into the box, just missed Mishi, put oh. it in for, you know, Abraham. And so as you look at the defense, um, you know, he was thrown in the deep end. So were Zuma, right? There, there's, it's tough to come in off the bench, not mentally prepared to start and then have to play, let alone Liverpool as well. So you had what ended up being Alonzo next to Tomori. So those two were on Mohamed Salah's side. Uh, and then you had Zuma and Aspie, who his money got subbed off after a while. But, you know, Firmino was there for the most time. Um, collectively, like, this is going to sound silly, but, like, our defense looked good even though we gave up two goals. Um, now, you can blame them for fouling because they're the ones that created the chances that were then converted, but you would still say, statistically speaking, we, we limited them to not the best chances. Well, the, the thing is, is that 
Liverpool are good in set pieces. Liverpool know how to score set pieces. They've scored more set pieces in the last couple of years than any other club in the Premier League. If you go look at the actual number for it, is that Liverpool actually scored 34 goals from set piece situations in the Premier League since the beginning of last season. And it's 34 goals from set pieces. So for us in this match to think that what hasn't worked for us so far this season, which is defending set pieces, you know, I, not conceding them in the first place should have been priority number one. Because if you know that your opponent has an ability to do something, has a very particular set of skills, don't engage those particular set of skills, Nick. Well, okay, again, I know they scored a lot of set pieces. Here's the thing. They score way more from open play than set pieces, and they were not great from open play. No, I, you know, I, I'd concede that. I mean, I think the what, what I was frustrated about is, you know, as we were talking in the stands, like it's not, it's not a fluke that they score set pieces. They have really good delivery and they have a few tall bodies in there that will, you know, kind of cock their head around and, and put it on frame. And it shouldn't be a surprise. At least it wasn't a surprise to me that they scored off set pieces. I think what I was more and more impressed by from our defense is Alonzo coming in and playing left back. We were all like, well, game over, you know, Salah's going to eat his lunch. And he, he did beat him a few times, mm-hmm. but I think Alonzo played relatively solid today. And he had cover. And right? he had cover Tamori from it, yeah. excellent for Kyle Tamori in the second half. Uh, although I would say for Kyle Tamori, first half a little dodgy. Um, didn't didn't look as good. Uh, Christensen, before his injury, looked relatively okay. And then I thought that was maybe Dave's best game of the season so far. And, and I know he's had some kind of down performances, so maybe that's not saying as much as it used to be, but I mean, look, the, the, the first goal that, that Liverpool score, that thumper from, uh, Alexander Arnold, he kept has no chance at that. And that, that's just a laser. The second one was just really, really bad zonal marking defending again. And, you know, again, there's a split second where he has to react and he just didn't. Other than that, I mean, Salah tried to run it to Mori four or five times and, Lo and behold, Tamori is really quick, agile, and is calm under pressure. Like I have not seen a young center back in quite some time. To have Salah breathing down your neck and to not freak the fuck out, I would. I mean, like, I, I think it's just such a credit to him. Um, and he's going to make mistakes. He's made mistakes in this game. He obviously got cautioned really early and, you know, was not as confident on the ball maybe. But again, like, the spot where I thought we would see, you know, it's kind of wrap on this substitution thing. The, the spots that I thought we'd see rotation, Dan, were up front. I thought we'd see, you know, maybe Christian come in, maybe Pedro come in. You know, I thought there was a chance that we might see Giroud come in because he played so well against Liverpool the last time. You know, I, I did not think we'd see the, the rotation in the back line that we have. And you're seeing a young kid take a moment that he might not have had otherwise and make the most out of it. And, you know, I know Joe Tweeds sent out a, a tweet earlier that, you know, kind of praised him. And that was, yeah. You know, obviously, if you get the Tweeds bump, that's all you can really ask for. Um, life goals. Life goals. We never get it. But um, it's that, that to me is really impressive, Dan. I, I think he's just grew and grew and grew into the game and, and looked really good. Yeah. The way that he talked about Tamori was that 
uh, so Joe's tweet was, Fukawa Tomori continues to be an enormous positive. Has all the aggression you need in a top center back, some super technique, particularly those driven passes, and ridiculous speed. Looks like a potential long-term solution at the position. He also followed up with a tweet about, insofar as the zonal marking debate goes, until Chelsea have four to five players who are decent in the air, there's not much else they can do. Go man for man with five foot seven players. Doesn't make sense. Need to find a solution sooner rather than later, Brandon. Well, the Firmino goal was soft. I mean, he's inside the six and he beats Alonso. Firmino's not huge, so that doesn't solve that problem. Um, but that was Alonso on the pitch for like five minutes. You know, going back to, uh, you know, Tamori. So Dan Levine had a tweet. He said, if Norwich, Nor- Norwich, Nor- Nick, <laughs> if uh, <laughs> we have a running joke team that Brandon can't say Norwich, it's unbelievable. There, there's a W, guys. Norwich um, was Mount's breakout game. If Wolves was Tammy's breakout game, then Liverpool was Tamori's breakout game today. I mean, his ability to continue to shut down. I mean, players when one-on-one situation those are dangerous situations he's on a caution i mean he he was skating on thin ice for 60 minutes mm-hmm. or whatever and kept it and we're not like again this isn't like ashley barnes who just wants to body you up i mean these are guys running at you he's having to turn and change and and he did it and he did it so well it, it was so impressive uh, and you just have to give hats off. Again, we need a collective performance, though. You know, we can't, and this is where I want to go, is we can't keep hanging our hat on, hey, I'm so proud, you did good. You had a great day out. The fact of the matter is, I haven't been looking at the table because it's been such a feel-good factor at Chelsea. Last season, with Maritza Sari, oh, yeah, all the time. I was just like, you know, to be fair, we were grinding, you know, for fourth, hopefully we could get it. Guys, we're in 11th after six matches. We have eight points, okay? We are, and this is going to sound petty, three points off the relegation zone, four. Four points off the relegation zone, and 10 points off the team we just lost to, Liverpool, okay? We are not in a great position, as you said earlier in the podcast, with a negative one goal difference. But, but, but it's been six games. The six games, yeah. And we are like significantly off the pace of an Arsenal, a Leicester, United struggling. But we have to say at some point, the feel-good factor can't cover over all the cracks. At some point, we have to win at home. At some point, yes, the table when it, when has it, to matter. How many games do you want to wait until you say the table matters? It's six games. I I think, but here's the thing. You look at it like, so if we say you'd like to be back in top four, that's one result difference. If we win today, we don't have 11 points and we would be up in that conversation. No, you're assuming everyone else loses above you. No, no, I'm just saying if you had three more points today than you did when we started the day, that puts us up with Leicester, Arsenal, West Ham. And we all have 11 points together. Right. But but we don't. So it's going to take two results going your way to get to the top four. Still have to play Arsenal twice. Still get to play Leicester one more time. Need to play West Ham. Need to play Bournemouth. I, you know. So at how many games until you're like, okay, the table is deserves to be paid attention to? Because I'm there. At six games, we've had enough to me to say, look, this this isn't this is significant. The table is starting to form itself. We need to be closer. I'm I'm probably Christmas time, New Year's. It's okay. Uh, That's your opinion. Well, I here's, suppose. here's the thing. Like 
Champions we, League but, group stage but, is but done by that thing. point. We, we we just talked about earlier in this podcast, earlier in this episode, about how we have a paper thin squad. We have players who haven't come back. Like we have a lot that still needs to be put into this squad to give Frank and give Jody and give all the coaches the opportunity to actually go out and execute with what they have available to them uh, to be successful. And I, I, I'm, I'm okay with this being a progress play. I mean, look, if we're trending down and continuing to trend downward, that would be concerning, but not until December, January is what you're saying. Yeah. So you're not worried. Okay. I'm not worried right now. The, The Premier League waits for no man. Um, this this was always going to be the risk, right? The risk is that you know the you know this is among some of the darkest timeline for Frank, right? Which is there are expectations, right? And I think there's a lot of patience. To be fair, mm-hmm. I mean there were a lot of people who stayed and clapped them off the field today in a loss, including which, us, which including us. But it says a lot. That says a shit ton about the fans willing to accept growing pains in exchange for a bright future. They're not going to accept 11th. So I think we have to be realistic with that and say at this point in the year, to me, 11th means very little because you can go to sixth in two matches very easily in December. You can't go to sixth in two matches. So I, I think there's probably a middle line where I'm looking at Halloween ish time. And if we're not kind of top nine, eight, seven with a, a real shot going forward against Manchester City and against, you know, Thanksgiving time. We have some big matches coming up. And again, you look at Carabao Cup. You, you're talking about wins at home. Carabao Cup on, on Wednesday. I swear to God, if we don't win that one, we're, you know. Is that the worst thing? Maybe not, right? Maybe it isn't. But it would give young players even more chance to test themselves against, you know, teams that, you know, could really be, good kind of barometers for them and where they're at well and, and the funny that kind of ironic thing it might not be young players it might be jabru it might be pedro it might be yeah you know some of these other guys but at the same time right like maybe rudiger can get some minutes callum potentially even reese james so I, I i i say i say that right i think the table matters good news we play in the league brighton home southampton away Newcastle home, Burnley away, Watford away. That's actually a hell of a run that's, for that's us. That's five very winnable games. But here comes the asterisk. Grimsby midweek, Lille midweek next week. Uh, then thankfully Southampton and Newcastle, you have the full week. You actually have, it looks like an international break. And then you go, the 19th is Newcastle. The 23rd is Ajax. The 26th is Burnley. <laughs> and then you have another break until November 2nd is Watford. But then you go back to second, fifth, ninth. You know these matches; they they come in spurts. They come in three, four at a time. Well, it brings it brings back why I think squad rotation is so important. We like how much deeper do you think we can go? I think there are there are four or five players that could have played today, or you know pl- could play against Brighton on on Sunday that are a hundred percent fit and just maybe not favored. So, like to me, that's a Lampard decision. So he has to live with that. But Pulisic being one of them. Uh, Drew being one of them. Uh, I think you have Barkley. I think you, you like you can play Mason Mount deeper and add another winger if you need to. Like if he's not fit though, don't play him. Wrap in Golo Conte and bubble wrap midweek. Don't even put him in the stadium. I want him at home with as much ice around his knee as possible. Like this is what I'm talking about. Like those matches coming up, 
knowing where our league position is and knowing that we've got off to a small start or small start, a slow start, I should say. Technically points wise is a small also start. Also small. <laughs> um, Short jokes, easy. Yeah. Whoa guys. Um, that to me, Dan is now because we're a little bit behind the eight ball. We got, you know, both in the champions league and in uh, the Premier league, we have to go win everything. And to do that, you need maximum effort. You can't coast through some of these. No, but that's, that's why I'll say rotation midweek. You should leave with very strong lineup heading into the next match again after that versus Brighton. And you're going to have to think very creatively about who you play in the match against Lille because you're going to want to take maximum points. So the rotation will come again. This is, you know, Frank Lampard is what close to 50 games managed in his professional career. Like he's he played 50 virus. Yeah. Edging towards 60. Yeah. It's, it's not like he's the fully formed article yet either. So again, like the, the, the patient patience is required and you can tell that those individuals in the stand at the bridge, uh, I think people who are taking a little bit more of a long-term approach versus taking every result and just hyper analyzing what, went wrong or creating Twitter threads about the, the like a documentary about the failures of a single player based upon seven images that they're going to show you. It's all just fucking ridiculous right now. Well, it's also not a documentary. So, but here's my point. Like the, the point is like it, there's so much positive elements. There's so many positive elements to take out of this right now. You look at Tamori, you look at Mount, you look at Tammy, you look at their progress. You look at the fact that we have been able to string together some results against teams that we didn't think we were going to beat, like Wolves, where we go and actually just shred them. Like There have been positive signs, and the, the fact is, is that we are still in process, in development, and we are not yet fully formed. And when this Death Star is fully operational, we're going to blow some planets the fuck up, and it's going to be amazing. Yeah, I, I think no, no one's panicking here. I think there is a word of caution, though. Like, Frank Frank is in charge of this thing, right? And and I think has everybody's full support um, in a way that previous managers haven't had, probably since Jose Part 1. I think Jose Part 1 could do anything the, the hell he wanted to, and I think Frank could, too. I think Frank is doing a really good job in some areas, and I think he's struggling in others, just to be frank about it. Boom, there it is. Um and one of those things, I think that going back to the squad rotation thing, not to beat this dead horse, he's going to have to figure out how to stay competitive in the Champions League and competitive in the Premier League with players who are coming back from long-term injuries or who have been on and off the injury um, train for some time. And that's, that is fucking tricky. I'm not saying that I would do a better job. Well, it's a hand he was dealt, right, with the transfer ban. Sure, but even if, even if January opens up, it's a terrible time to buy players. No, I agree. I'm saying this is kind of the hand he was dealt yeah. with the roster. Look, I, I understand that there are singular positive narratives. They have to come together. Yeah, the collective isn't that positive. I think that's where we need to get. It's good that Mason Mount had a good game against Norwich. It's great that Tammy has been man of the match three games in a row. But one of those games, we drew 2-2 to Sheffield. So again... We need to take these collectives, which is Frank, Jody, and um, Joe's job, which is, again, why they are paid a shit ton of money, is, is to put it together and to figure it out. But, again, we have a very favorable run of games coming up. 
we have not had the easiest start to the season and we're going to have to put a marker down and, and make some progress. And I think we are poised and, and set up to do that. But again, I think it's just important to point that out is that it's, it's a project, but this team should be doing better than where we are. And we just need to encourage them and continue to make sure that, you know, we don't just get over, in my opinion, overrun with the, oh, Frank's here, everything's good, is we still need to produce yeah, yeah. And, and, and have an end result. There is a, I think there's a legitimate point out there that says this year is a test and learn year. Like Dan's talking about the Death Star being fully operational. I'm kind of relating this to, you know, what we do in advertising a lot, which is we'll put a couple of different pieces together and see which one tests better. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what Frank has to do over the next few weeks is, with players that he doesn't currently favor as much as others, he's going to have to figure out a way for those pieces to combine because you can't play Mason and Tammy and Fakayo every game. It's just not possible. There's too many matches. So he's going to have to trust Christian and Olivier and Mishi and these guys that are around. And it's also up to them to to do something with that chance. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right? If Mishi would have scored today to level it up, that would have been a huge feather in his cap. Yeah. You know, and instead he's this far off. Yep. And and that is, you know, I think that's what we're looking for from Christian. We were hoping that nothing was going to be given for Christian. And so far, really nothing has been. And now he has to go, you know, hopefully play against Grimsby and, and you know, show that he's a top class talent and try and get back into favor. So that's kind of where we're at. I mean, I don't know how much more we can no you're good yeah we're good so uh i mean obviously that pretty much pushes us out uh we did a man of the match poll we did i mean that was a question for me i'm I'm assuming we did we did and what what did it look like no no surprise n'golo conte was the winner hard not to on a day like yeah tomori was in the uh the mid 30s and then our other two had two percent each so i did i had friends of mine from back home who are liverpool fans texting me uh, during the game about how absolutely incredible N'Golo Kante is. And did you just say, duh? Ha, 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 ha. He's mine. Uh, I think it's pretty clear for anyone to see when he is in our lineup that our team... Different is, levels. Yeah, I mean, that, it, I think, raises our level from like a, a, a Champions League group stage team to a round of 16 quarterfinal team because of the quality. And yeah. Now, again, wrap him in bubble wrap. <laughs> we got to get him playing consistent minutes, and I hope that he didn't you know, stretch too far today. Yeah. Well, we do have another international break, uh, closer than probably most of us want. Uh, but <laughs> from a squad management perspective, it is welcomed again. So anyways, um, look, it's, it's a different match review when you're there, right? And you know, we didn't have time to sit down and do a script. This is all us just sitting here reliving what we watched and by the way guys i'm exhausted <laughs> I, we poured so much into beer. this match do you know we how so much beer do you know how much booing and yelling we did at michael oliver michael oliver and Ugh. adrian and trent alexander arnold and jordan henderson a wanker i mean it, it does say something about this match Brandon, when liverpool start time wasting late in the first half yeah that's a team that last year was all up in arms if you played a Burnley-style game against, well, you don't even want to play football. Dude, if you come to Stanford Bridge and start wasting time in the 40th minute, you're scared. Yeah, 
But yeah, and they don't have the confidence. I mean, this isn't like Mourinho stint one where you go up one nothing. You're like done. Oh yeah, game, lock set, that match. Yeah. So you know, it, it, there's some positive, but I think we poured ourselves into that. Uh, you know, and we just jumped on the bandwagon that was going on. The shut end, you know, the Chelsea chance, the Tammy chance, the carefree chance, the it was, Steven Gerrard chance. It was live, Frank. It <laughs> was live Frank. in there today, man. You know, and we, it was exhausting. So it just gives you that perspective again. Like, we just sat and watched the last couple of times we're here. Not now. The, the atmosphere is electric. It is vibrant. It is alive. The fans back the players 100%. Like, it's... Uh, we're also going to wrap you in bubble wrap, apparently. You're pretty, you're tuckered out there, little guy. Just. Okay. <laughs> Sorry for caring. My bad. Anyways, that's going to wrap us up. Uh, we're actually headed to Oktoberfest. Uh, so uh, hope we survive. Knock on wood here real quick. Yeah. And then we'll be back. Knock for- on wood if you're with me, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back for Grimsby. Record after that, hopefully, because it's a, it's a late night match here for us. And then we'll do Brighton again. So look, a lot more coming from us from London. Uh, but hope you enjoyed us sitting around the table together, looking at each other, making faces. <laughs> See, clearly. Uh, distraction. Dan's not having it. So we're going to go to bed. We have an early flight in about four and a half hours. So uh, until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. Quick, say something dumb. Dumb. <laughs>